Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. like week five of a series called Get Off Your Donkey. We've had a blast with it because most of you are like, get off your donkey. I get what they did there. Uh, and we've been talking about ways in which we can, uh, we can get involved, we can partner with. And we started the series talking about the Good Samaritan story. And if you don't know it, we're not going to talk about it today, but you should probably check it out because it's kind of important. But uh, basically the idea of it was that there was there were some religious people on the way to the temple or on the way to Jerusalem, and they passed by a guy who'd been beaten, and then along comes a guy uh, that stops and helps the guy, and, and uh, a Samaritan guy ends up stopping and helping the guy who was beaten and left along the side of the road half dead. And uh, Jesus was telling this story as an example about who was this guy's neighbor, the guy that was beaten, which, guy, which one of the people who passed by was truly his neighbor. And and in this story, Jesus uses this illustration, and he says, you know, the guy picks up the, the, the dude who'd been beaten, the Samaritan guy picks him up, and puts him on his donkey. And we've been talking about, how, like, if you want to uh, participate in what God's doing in this world, like, you can't sit idly by on your donkey. Like, you've got to get off your donkey. You've got to get involved. You've got to get... You know, you've got to get moving. There's things that you can do that you're invited to do. And today we're going to wrap this thing up. And I kind of want to start with Jesus told parables. I don't think I am Jesus, but I'm going to try to tell a parable today. Can we do that? Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, gracious, this ought to be good. Uh, so let's imagine that you have a friend. This friend of yours is a good friend, someone you love a lot. Like, not in a weird way, but, you know, like, you love them. You care about them. And this friend of yours has, like, they've gone through schooling they had like a dream placed deep within their soul that they were going to do a certain thing with their life. They went for years for schooling and were prepared for this job. And they got out of their school and they took off. They got hired into their dream position. They were like fully alive in this new job that they had. And they started off and, and things were going pretty well. And uh, you're like excited watching them. Like there's something fun about watching a friend of yours that's just like coming alive, right? When you see somebody who's worked hard for something for a long time, and then suddenly it looks like things are coming together, you're like, oh man, that's fantastic. Uh, that's so great. Like you can think of this in your life too. Like you've had things you've worked hard for and to see how like when things start to come together, it's exciting for you, right? Like honestly, even within the life of our church, like when you start thinking about how long of a journey it is to like start a church from scratch and then like today we, you know, we have like two services, you're like, hey, man, it feels like things are going well. You know, it's exciting to see things happening good for people, right? So this friend of yours is loving their job. Like you go to dinner with them, you're like, man, they just talk your ear off in a good way, like not in a bad way. Like sometimes your friends talk your ear off and you're like, oh, please stop. But you're like, no, I love this. Like I love hearing them like talk about this because you know what it, the journey. And it feels like they were created for this job. Like it feels like they were like ready and prepared for it, right? And all of their life, all of the, everything in their life has built up to this moment, right? And it turns out their job is like, it's downtown, we'll say it's downtown in the city, and it's a really, it's, it's an interesting drive for them, and, and one morning you see on the Facebook that their car breaks down, and you're like, oh no, 
because they're just getting started. This isn't a friend of yours that has like a whole lot of funds that can like, you know, they haven't saved up lots of money. And if you're honest, they might even have like a lot of student debt. And, you know, and you're thinking, oh, gracious, I hope that they can figure out how to keep their job. Right? Now, it turns into an ordeal where, you know, they don't post everything on Facebook, although we do have those friends. Uh, But you you, you follow up with, man, I saw your car was messed up. I'm really sorry to hear that. I hope everything works out. And they're like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so like, the next day, you're like, you know, I've got to figure out a way to get involved. I'm going to try to help them. And so you happen to have a friend who uh, has a connection with some vehicles. And, and long story short, you're able to help figure out a way to help get them a new car. Now, wouldn't that be great? Because like, you care so much about the story this person's living that when the story seems to get off track, you're like, I want to help. I want to get off my donkey and I'm going to help, Right? I'm going to help figure out a way to solve a problem. Like, I can't solve all the world's problems, but I can solve, like, I can work with my one friend. I heard a long time ago, uh, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor I quote all the time, uh, he, in one of his leadership lessons, he talked about doing for one what you wish you could do for all. Like, you may not be able to do something for every person in the world, but there are sometimes some people and some stories you can help. Uh, you know, like, you can get involved. You can, because you can do for one what you wish you could do for all. I wish you could do it for everybody. I wish I could get a car for everybody who needed a car. I can't, but I can do it for this one friend. So you get involved, right? I think of this story, much like the story, and it's a little different, so don't, like, get caught up in all the details. So, like, if you're, like, deep theological thinker, like, don't sit here and poke holes in my parable, okay? You'll hurt my feelings. But, like, I think of this story, and I think it's similar to the story of humanity. And what I mean by that is, is that God, at the beginning of the story, in Genesis, you have God who creates the world. And he creates mankind, and he loves his creation. He says it's good. I mean, can, and, and you've, you've made things before. And like the, we're not even great at creating things. And the things we create, we love them, right? Like I've seen like art that people do, and you're like, oh man, I, when, when your kids create the art and you love the creator of those things, or you know, the things that make you know the people who make that stuff, it means so much more to you, even if they're like not great artists. I have a friend, uh, Cindy, her dad was like a fantastic artist. I saw pictures of his stuff, and I'm like, I admire his art, and I've seen it, and I'm like, man, that dude is a great artist. Uh, but for them, that art means even more because they knew the person even more. It meant so much more to them. This is why you hang up those like weird stick picture or stick people pictures your kids give you because you love your kids and you know that if you throw them away, it'll be a small riot in your house, right? Anybody in here, like you hide the things you hide? If your kid's in the room, like don't raise your hand. Uh, but like you, you like, like subtly throw away things that they created. You know, like that's, you know, not beautiful, but I love them, you know, right? Like, I think God, he loves his created work. He loves us. And when the story is told to us in Genesis, the story goes off track. Like, God creates the world, and and he loves his creation. And it says that God and man are together, and they are, like, at peace. uh, And they walk among the garden together. And and there's there's, like, this harmony, this connection that God has with his creation. And then the story kind of gets off track, and, and you see mankind kind of, like, veer What they were created to do, they lost their sense of purpose and they went somewhere else. It's as if like God had this dream and a mission and when they chose something different, the story started to fall apart. And 
God didn't sit idly by, though, as the story unraveled. God didn't just sit idly by and think, well, we'll try again in another galaxy far, far away. Right? Uh, that was close to a Star Wars joke, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Uh, you know, like God, God didn't just sit idly by. Now, I want to I point out something because, like, the original intention, I think, that God had for his creation and man was that we would, that we would reflect God's image. I've talked about this before, but like ultimately God gives mankind, and I mean women and men, they were both created in the image of God, and we were reflecting God's glory, his image to the world. It was as if when people saw human beings, they saw each other, when creation, when the world would see or encounter a human being, it would be as if they saw or encountered God himself. That's how it was intended, that man would like reflect that glory, reflect that image to the world, and that, that we would be like partners with it, so much so that like we were going to be, like God was the creator, he created us, and then he invited us to be co-creators. And what I mean by that is, is like God, rather than like creating all the animals and bringing them all in and introducing Adam to him, like, hey, Adam, meet the zebra. Like, hey, Adam, meet the aardvark. Like, he didn't do that. Like, he asks Adam to participate in the creation. If you don't know this story, it's interesting. And I'm giving you, the, like, the flyover of it. But, like, he invites Adam to name the animals, which would have been a terrible job for a guy like me. Like, Bob. Bob 2. Bob 3. Like, I would, love, I would not have the creativity to name all these animals. Uh, and so, like, he invites Adam to participate in it. And so Adam gets to, literally, he's a creator with God. This creator, God, created things that create. Think about how our world works. Like, the things that are in our world, they create alongside the creator. Like, every time there needs to be a new tree out in the parking lot or something, we don't have to, like, pray to God, Lord, please send a tree. And then we're like, tree. We don't have to do that. Because God created trees, and the trees create trees. God created us, and then we get to have children, and then sometimes wonder why. Like, like what was I thinking, you know? Uh, you know, like, you've, you've done this. Like, you've seen creation, and it, it keeps moving forward. God intended the creation and his creation to be things that would continue forward. Now, our participation in this world got off track when we stopped walking alongside. We stopped being in a peace and harmony with God, and we wanted to do it our own way, and that's a whole other sermon. But the story originally was intended that we would be like God on this earth. Not that we would be God, but that we would reflect His goodness, His life, His glory in the world. And when the story got off course, God got involved. And so he sent his son. Now, something that's interesting about the story of Jesus, if you've not heard of him, he was kind of an important guy within the history of the world. Uh, but there's, like, uh, there's all sorts of people who have written about Jesus, and there's a whole bunch of letters written about Jesus. And, uh, and there's one specific verse in Colossians, which is written to a group of people in a, in a, in a city. And the writer says that Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15. says he's the visible image of the invisible God, which is a way of saying and pointing back to the original part of the story where 
man was supposed to be like a visible image of an invisible God? You tracking with me? It's as if the, the, the writer's telling us, like, Jesus is doing what we were originally supposed to do. Jesus is showing a way back to that story, returning people back. Like the writers of the scriptures talked all the time about how God was putting the story back together and how God was going to, uh, was retelling the story and he was, uh, he was making all things new and, and returning things. And, and when we talk a lot of times about like mankind, we were, we're invited into repentance. Like sometimes the story of the church is like that we should repent so that you can go to heaven and then you got to tell all the bad things you've done to God. And as you repent, you're, you know, you, there's all sorts of stories that go in your head. And you, sometimes that word has a negative connotation for you because you're like, doggone it. i got to repent all the bad things I did. I'm such a bad person. But the, the reality of the word was that it was just a return. Repent is like the Hebrew word is teshuva, which means to return or to turn. Returning to the, the original calling. The original purpose of mankind, to, to return, to repent. Jesus was like returning the story back to what it was originally intended to be because men had missed the mark. You know the, the word sin. I've taught this before too, but like the word sin, it's an archery term. Like lots of people are like, oh, I don't know if I believe in sin. Eh, you kind of do, I bet. Because you know what it's, what it's like to, to miss the mark. Like this is why sometimes like, uh, you know, you have things in your head where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to shoot for this, and then you miss the mark. Now, sometimes we think of the word sin as being like some, you know, terrible thing that's, you know, oh, my goodness, like murder, oh, that's a sin. Well, that's missing the mark at a really bad rate, right? But sin is any time you miss the mark for what God's called for us to be. And no one in this room would ever say, like, oh, no, I've, I hit the mark every time. You know, I'll be like... I don't. I try dieting all the time, and I always miss the mark. You know, like I try all sorts of things. I intend to do all sorts of things. None of us in this room can even do the things we know we should do, the, the rules we make up for ourselves, like the dreams that we have for ourselves. We sometimes miss those all the time. Like that's the idea of sin is just missing the mark. God had a dream. He had a plan, a vision for what his creation was going to be, what, what we would be, and he just missed the mark. And so God sends his son, and the result of this sin is quite naturally just death, because when you miss the mark when it's intended for life, anything other than that is kind of off course, and you'll see death. Like sometimes people hear like the wages of sin is death. That's a scripture that's in the, in the Bible. Uh, people say, well, the wages of sin is death, and God's going to put people to death. They're put people to death when they sin. You know, like the natural consequence of sin is death to be quite frank. You missed the mark. You know, it can bring death. Like, and then and I'd be saying, I'm teasing about like our dieting world because it's a, it's, an, it's a simple thing to talk about. But like, you have walked upstairs and gotten to the top and thought, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> right? You're like, can I laugh at that? Yes, that was a joke. Like, you've had that experience. Like, that doesn't feel like you're fully alive. Right? You're like, this is not hitting the mark, people. You know, uh, you've had those experiences like with your friendships where you've had fractured things and you've said something you shouldn't have and it was a miss of the mark moment and you felt like your friendship was never going to be the same again. And it felt like that friendship died. You've seen those things, right? Like this is, that's what happens. That's, that's just the, the result of sin. Now, Paul 
who was a writer in the New Testament. He wrote a bunch of the stuff that you see in the New Testament. He talks about this whole story. He's talking about everything that's happening within the, the, the story as a whole. And I just want to point out a couple of verses to you. And I think he's, he's going to point out something to you and to me that fits with this idea of getting off your donkey. And I'll explain it at the end why I think this is important. So Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, he says, But God, in, uh, God is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Like, that's a picture that I'm not sure everybody in our world thinks of when they think about God. Like, sometimes if you were to be honest and you were to think about God, like, the idea of God's love isn't always the first picture that jumps into everybody's mind. Like, sometimes God is so rich in anticipation for me screwing up. Or God is so, you know, he can't wait for me to mess up. God is so, like, judgmental, and as soon as I get out of line. No, no, Paul says God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead, missing the mark left and right, dead because of our sins, we, were, we, weren't, we weren't thriving, we weren't experiencing the dream that we were created to have, we were off, off kilter, we were, we were not headed the way we wanted to be headed or the way he wanted us to be heading. We were struggling because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Like God gets so involved. It's like when you see your friend's car break down. It's way more important and way more serious. Like he, gets, he sees something off course, sees something messed up, and he gets involved. He's like, I'm going to take care of this. That thing seems to be broken and dead and dying. I'm going to give life. And he sends Jesus. And Jesus shows people the way, shows people how to live life at its best. When Jesus says he came, he came to give you life and life to the full, like there's death all around, but I'm going to give something else. I'm going to point people to something else. I'm going to give them something else. Watch me follow my way. The earliest followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. Follow my way and you will experience life and not just any life. You'll experience full life, abundant life. God gets involved. And when he raises Jesus from the dead, it's as if he says, you thought that death was the end, but I'm going to show you a, that death can be overcome by life. Along with Christ, we've been raised and seated us in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now, for some of you, are like, thanks for sharing that with us, Matt. I've gone to church my whole life. I've heard all about how Jesus saves us. He's given us life. And then I want to point out something very specific about this verse. He says that he seated us in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Can I tell you, as a pastor, one of the number one things people ask me about is heaven. Heaven. Like, everybody wants to know, if I do this, is that the thing that's going to point me? Like, do I get to go to heaven if? And one of the things that's kind of amusing to me is how often people try to get as, as, as selfish as they can about the conversation. Like, I want to do as much as I want to do. I don't really care necessarily about what God wants me to do or what, what would bring life or what other people tell me life might uh, be the result of if I do X, Y, or Z. I just want how close to the edge can I get and still get in? Seriously. I'm not kidding. Like, it's like this image in your head. Like, if I stay on this close to the edge, will I still get to go to heaven? Like, I have so many conversations about heaven and hell and who gets to get in and who doesn't get to get in and all this stuff. And heaven and hell is like one of the biggest topics that I have conversations about. You know, uh, 
Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. There's a song that I, I remember, a guy named David Crowder. Uh, I don't, somebody may have sang that, that verse before him, but I remember hearing that, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a interesting, because everybody does want to go to heaven, and everybody's afraid of death, and people are always trying to figure out, like, um, what happens after this life? What happens when I die? Where, where do I go, and what do I, you know, how will I know for certain? And lots of the conversation in, in faith world is revolving around this idea of like making sure you're secure and you don't have to freak out about some future event. But Paul, when he's talking about this topic, he's talking about salvation and why you were saved. And I want to I just, if you, if, you will, uh, if you will imagine with me, imagine like that God has two questions for you when you were to die. Now, I'm not saying this is how it works, so don't get confused, okay? But let's just say hypothetically, okay? Let's say hypothetically God has two questions for you when you die. And I know some of you have had this picture in your head all your life about like someday I'm going to die. I'm going to wake up and there's going to be pearly gates or something there in front of me. And let's just say hypothetically that story were to exist. I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying it does because let's be honest, we'll find out later. (laughs) But let's just say that happens and you stand there before the pearly gates, right? And here comes, you know, God comes out to meet you, which is I'm sure not good news. Could you imagine the story I was always told, the gates were supposed to open up, and I'm going to walk in, right? Could you imagine if the gates don't open and God comes out? <laughs> That's a funny picture, huh? Like, if you came to my house, and you were hoping I was expecting you, and I opened the door and walked out and shut the door behind me, <laughs> you're like, oh, it doesn't look like I'm going in. But let's just say hypothetically, okay? Let's say hypothetically that story is going to happen, and there you are before God, and God has two questions for you, and then what hangs in the balance is heaven or hell, right? And Jesus, or God, asks the first question. It can be Jesus, too. He says, why is heaven available to you? What makes you think that that's available to you? I'm like, well, it's a tricky question, right? Especially if it were Jesus standing before you. Paul gives us some insight as to how you can, how you can have uh, understanding of faith moving forward in this. He says it in Ephesians. He continues on in Ephesians verse, or chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The room got real quiet. You're like, oh, this is serious. <laughs> Paul says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Now, I, we've talked about this at church before, but I'll, I want to remind you, like, one of the central beliefs here at Inspire is that, like, when you place your faith in Jesus, God makes you a member of the church. We don't technically have membership here. We invite you to partner with us and do stuff with us, but, like, we don't have, like, official members. If you want to join us, fantastic, you're welcome. Everybody belongs here. Like, we don't have, like, a membership class that you have to, like, sign on a dotted line as a member. Now, you can partner with us all day. Uh, but we believe that God handles the membership of his church. You place your faith in Jesus, and God makes you a member. When you believe, you're brought in. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, for it is a gift from God. Like, sometimes we think about salvation and we think about it in a way of like, it's, I've got to do certain things. I've got to act a certain way. I've got to be a certain, you know, go to certain places at certain times, 9 a.m. is when I'll be there, you know. 
you think in your head about all these things that make you get saved or earn your salvation, but the reality is nothing you do or I do gives us this salvation, this gift. Nothing we do gives it to us. It's a gift that God gives us. You didn't earn it. You can't take credit for it. No matter how cool you are, how fantastic you are, or the great things you've done on this earth, it doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa and you've done all sorts of great things. That didn't save her. It doesn't save you. It won't save me. Our belief, our faith is what saves us. It's a gift that we can't take credit for. Salvation is not a reward for the good things uh, we have done. So none of us can boast about it. That's what Paul says. See, God changes the trajectory of the story through Jesus. It's headed this direction. Nothing you or I could do is going to help us get off, you know, off the, like, the spiral. But Jesus steps in and increases this opportunity for this new way of life. It's a gift that he gives us, and we weren't going to be able to save ourselves. So Jesus shows up, changes the trajectory of the whole story. Things were literally going to hell. Dying all around the world. And Jesus shows up to show people a way of life. Now imagine, that's the first question. What, what, what makes you think that you can, this is available to you? And you'd say, well, because I believe in the gift that's been given to me through Jesus. That's the answer. And the second question, imagine this. Now I'm not saying this question will be asked either. I've asked God, like, could you tell me? And he didn't tell me, so... Just imagine, okay? And I don't think this is a prerequisite necessarily. But just imagine that the second question that God asks is, what did you do with the life I gave you? Because you were dying. Things were going to hell in a handbasket. Can you say that in church? I don't know the etymology of that, so that might be like a bad phrase. I don't know. I say things all the time, and Brad's like, you probably shouldn't say that. I'm like, oh. I grew up with all sorts of crazy things around me. You just never know what's going to happen. So hell in a handbasket might not be something you're supposed to say in church, but I just did. So, you know, life was headed to that. You know, the world was headed to hell, and God gets involved, right? But then he's, like, given this gift to you and to me and to his creation. He says, hey, I want to give you a gift. Once you receive it, what did you do with the life I gave you? Now, check this out. Paul, who just talked about the gift that we were given, and we can't boast about it, you can't brag about it, it was something given to you for free. It was a gift. Paul continues on in verse 10, he says, for God, we are God's masterpiece. Think back to that creation story. Like that term masterpiece is about creation. It's a pointing back to the, the story. We were the thing God created and loved. Like your child thought that thing you threw away was a masterpiece, you know? You've seen a masterpiece. It was created, and it was, it was fantastic. We were God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. He created us, and it got kind of messed up, but he's created us anew. He's given us this new opportunity in Christ Jesus. We've been, we've been made anew. So, meaning there's a reason for why you were created anew. There's a reason why God cared so much about you and me created, or the, the, the reason why he cares so much about the world he created. There's a reason why he cares and the reason why he gets involved. So we can do the, catch this, good things he planned for us, say it with me, long ago. Do you see this story? 
That's how it all connects. God's making it all new. He's putting it all back together, and there's a reason for it. He's invited you and me through this story that he's telling to, to get involved, to participate, to help create, bring life to this world. You know, Jesus prayed so many times about bringing heaven to earth. You may even remember, like, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, Jesus was really concerned about heaven coming to earth. He wasn't always all that concerned about someday heaven when we go there. He was really concerned about what's happening here now. Now, Reggie Joyner, I think I told you in the last time I taught on this, uh, Brad and I planned this series. We got going into it, and then I, later we discovered there's a book called Get Off Your Donkey by a guy named Reggie Joyner. <clears throat> and I love Reggie Joyner because he's sarcastic. If you listen to him, you'll be like, oh, yeah, now I know why Matt likes him because <clears throat> he's snarky. And he probably says things like hell in a handbasket. I don't know. Uh, and so he says this. We don't earn our salvation. Jesus does that. But when it comes to the stewardship of our lives, we can't offer up Jesus' work on our behalf. God expects us to do something with what we have received. You see, when we are so concerned about heaven someday, it seems that the goal, like for some people and some people's faith, is that heaven someday, hopefully someday I'll get into heaven. But why not be concerned about heaven here, now, today? Like Jesus told the parable of the religious leaders walking by the guy laying half dead on the side of the road. Not because it was going to be a cute story, but it was because it was happening in the world. All around, the people that God had like intended to be the ones to like partner with him. You know, the Jewish people have this phrase called tikkun olam, which means repairing the world. Jewish people believe that they had a role to play in repairing the world. Sounds similar to what Jesus is teaching, right? Like Jesus kind of brings that to life, speeds that forward. Religious people in Jesus' time were really good at walking past people who were hurting and just being more concerned about someday I'll go to heaven, someday this. But I'm going to you know, get really inward focused about their lives Jesus didn't tell the story because it was cute. It was happening. This is part of the problem. Aren't you so glad we've changed so much? Like, let's be honest. Like, if sometimes church people get this bad rap of like, well, they sit on their donkeys really well. And it can sometimes be an animal that they're sitting on that they just don't stop. And other times it's like they're back end. In the King James Version, they call the donkey the ass. You know that, right? <clears throat> People are sitting on that. I'm not sure I can say ass in church, but <laughs> that might be too far. I don't know. Like, you're just sitting idly by. Like, what in the world? Like, sometimes I wonder if God looks at the world and he sees us down here and he's like, hey, 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 hey. You see what's going on over here? You see what's happening? Get off your donkey. I put you there for a reason. I gave you that gift of life. Not just so that you would sit by idly. Not just so that someday you'd be allowed into some, to heaven. But I, like I gave you this gift so that you could do something here where I placed you. You know, God has a... The, this isn't even in my notes and I got to hurry. Dear goodness, I'm going to get us out of here late. You know, God, when you look at the story of creation... The beginning of the story, there's no church. Like, look at Genesis. There's no church at the beginning of the story, okay? 
Like you can look for it, you won't find it. It's just God and his creation. It was all in harmony together. You go to the end of the story, Revelations. The end of the story, there's no mention of the church. It's just God and creation. Part of God's, he had a mission in the world. He's like, I'm going to bring about this mission on the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem the world. I'm going to save the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something amazing and bring life back to my creation that was experiencing death. And so then part of his mission, uh, part of solving his mission was the creation of the church. The church serves the mission that God is up to in this world. Sometimes we think that the mission is supposed to serve the church. Does this grow the church? Is the mission that God's up to in the world, does it help us grow our churches and make it better? Do we get to have cool lights and fog and haze? Like, we think that the mission is supposed to serve the church, but the reality is that the, the church was supposed to serve the mission. And any time the church gets off course from the mission that God is up to in the world, we are out of bounds and we are off course. You've missed the mark, and I already told you what the word for that is. Sin. We can't sit idly by because God's got a purpose for us. And it's not all about standing on a corner with a bullhorn yelling at people about someday you're going to go to hell. What would you say to God if you were asked the question about heaven or hell and Jesus? Sometimes it's just about bringing life. Sometimes it's about just helping people have a good time and experiencing life where everything else around them seems to look like death. And then you give them just a glimpse of life. You know, people don't always believe in this story of Jesus Sometimes people don't believe in God. And I think the reason for that is because they look at this world and they don't see him. They don't see the presence of God. They don't see God at work. They don't see this, you know, all these people talk about this Jesus thing and I don't see Jesus anywhere. And I already told you what the mission was. The story was that we were to reflect that image and that glory to the world. And when people see us, what do they see? It's a bunch of people sitting on a donkey Looking really good, dressing up, going and doing a bunch of nothing. Oh, great. We stood in the dark and sang some songs. You know, I'm not saying those things aren't important, but like if that's all we do, if it's just about the songs you sing and the words you do and punching a time clock and doing your time at church so you can feel good about yourself, we've missed the mark, people. God's got us in, a, in this world for a reason. We gather here. Paul talks about that we shouldn't give up on meeting together, spurring each other on towards love and preaching the good news? No, the scriptures spring each other on towards love and good deeds. What you do matters. It doesn't save you. It's not how salvation works, but what you do does matter. You've been given a gift. Jesus tells a story, a parable, about, uh, and I'm wrapping up, I promise you. Now, some of you are going to I heard, like I said that one week, and somebody set their clock to see how long it was going to really take. And he says we're wrapping up, and it was like 5, 7, 10, 20 minutes, I don't know. I am wrapping up, I promise you. Jesus tells a story, of a, it's called the parable of the talents. You might have heard this story. The New Revised Gaylor version is, there's, there, Jesus tells a story about a master who has a bunch of gifts, got a lot of money, he has three servants, and he gives a large sum, we'll, we'll say 10 talents, $10, whatever, whatever you want to take with this, uh, and he gives it to these, this guy. He gives five to another guy and gives one to another dude. And the scripture says, each according to their ability. But you know, for some of us, like, wait, that's not fair. 
well, evidently you don't have the ability for some reason. I don't know why that's, that happens. I don't know what it all is, but this is how Jesus tells the story, right? So, and I don't want to get too caught up in all that stuff, but here's what the deal is. The master goes away. The guy who was given 10 goes off and puts that 10 to work and grows it, and he doubles the master's money. So what is 10 now becomes 20, and he's pumped up for the day when the master's going to return. It's like, look what I did with what you gave me, right? The guy who was given five goes off, puts it to work, invested whatever he does, you know, probably bought stock in Under Armour or something, I don't know. And, uh, and, and he, he's all pumped up because his five doubled and it became 10, right? And Jesus says that the guy who was given one went off and buried his. And when the master returned, the two guys were really pumped up. They're like, man, can't wait to show you what it looked, master, look what I did. The, five, the 10 you gave me became 20. The master says, well done. Right? The guy with five comes, master, look what I did. He gave me, he gave me five, and now I have, I have 10. Look what I did. And I says, well done. I imagine it's kind of like, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know. You know, well done. The guy with the one, the writer uh, tells us that Jesus specifically said that that guy knew, and he said that, Master, I knew that you were harsh and you harvested where you did not plant. And so here's the one that you gave me. Like, the, 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 Jesus says that the master was unhappy with the dude. He says, if you knew that I was harsh, you should have at least put it in the bank so I could get some interest. And I imagine that Jesus is like pointing out a picture that this guy had about the creator, the master. There's a picture in his head of what that master looked like. Well, I just need to do whatever I can to make sure that when I get when he comes back, I can give him what he gave me. That doesn't sound like a happy servant at all, does it? It says something about the picture that he has of the, of the master, doesn't it? And Jesus tells us that there's, uh, through this story, he says, there's going to become a day when you're going to be asked, what did you do with what I gave you? You've been given something. You've been given a gift. Now imagine that friend of yours that you gave a car to. You were pretty pumped up, right? Because in my world, I don't know, maybe you guys are different than me, but if I were able to pull over to your house in a car and hand it over to you, that's a big deal for my family. It cost me something. Not quite the life of my son, but it cost me something. It was a sacrifice for me to be able to make that happen for you. And let's just say hypothetically that you give that car to your friend and you're all pumped up thinking that, man, this, I can't wait to see what they do with this. I can't wait to see where their career goes. I can't wait to see if this changes things. They were able to save their life, save their career, save their job. You can't wait. And you're like, you're anticipating something's going to happen, and you realize uh, you go by the next day, and the car's sitting in the exact same spot you parked it. And then the next day, you go by again, and that car is still sitting in the exact same spot you parked it. Weeks go by, months go by, and you're watching, and you're watching your friend, and you're like, wait, 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 hey, and finally you're just like, hey, what's going on, man? I gave you the car. I was hoping that would, well, thank you for the car. It's a great gift. I appreciate it. It's a blessing to me. The natural question that I would have for my friend is like, what are you doing? Do you not understand the purpose for the gift? Like, I gave it to you so you could drive it. 
Gave it to you so you could keep going to this job, this dream job you always wanted, the job you were like created for. What are you doing? Use it. Would you be frustrated if the guy never drove it? That's your point. You say yes, no, maybe. Shake your head. Yeah, I would. I'd be so frustrated. I kind of wonder sometimes, like, what gifts, what resources, what abilities have you been given that sit by idle? They're like the guy who buried his one talent and buried it in the ground. Well, when I really need to get it back out, I'll pull it back out and dust it off and be like, yes, I believed in Jesus. I didn't get to heaven, right? But until then, I'm just going to bury it down. What have you been given? What gift, resource, ability, relationship, what part of the life that God has given you are you not using? You're not investing to make a difference in this world. I believe that you have a gift. You have life. You have ability. May we use it. May when people look at you and me, may they not accuse us of sitting on our donkey. And may when people look at our lives in this world, may they see evidence of the creator, God. May they see his grace, his mercy, and his love in the life that we live. And may our world, which sometimes looks like death is all around, may life spring up as each and every one of us take the time and the energy to get off our donkey. May pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this life. And Lord, may we use the gift that we've been given. May it not sit in the garage with the door down. May it not be buried. May it be out on display for the world. May we reflect your glory and the goodness that you are to our world. And Lord, I pray for our world. I pray that you would help our world to be able to come to know of your grace and your mercy. I know there's all sorts of people who don't, they're not sure if they believe, they're not sure if this is real. And Lord, that breaks my heart because I believe sometimes that's uh, evidence of our not living the life you've given us. And so Lord, may we be your hands, your feet. And Lord, as we get off our donkey, may the life that we have change this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.